What's the best holiday tradition you'll have in Westfield? Um, we are doing a, a great Polar Express in our neighborhood. Uh, it's the first time they're doing it. And so our, our girls are going to love ride a train around with Santa. I love it. Welcome to the Ag Bioscience Podcast. I'm Mitch Frazier, President and CEO of AgriNovus Indiana. Sustainability and environmental stewardship have long been a part of agriculture. And today we're going to hear from an innovator who has taken the pursuit of sustainability into a new company with connections here in Indiana. He's a bold leader, a financial expert, and he's based right here in central Indiana. Welcome Kirk Taylor, President of Land Betterment to the Ag Bioscience Podcast. Kirk, welcome. Hi, thanks, Mitch. Thank you for your time and thank you for sharing our story here. Oh, I'm so excited. I, everyone is going to love your story, Kirk. What you have done with Land Betterment, you and the team, is just fascinating. And you yourself have an interesting story. If you could maybe, let's start there. If you could maybe share a little bit about your background and then how you came to co-found this organization called Land Betterment. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I'm born and raised in Indiana. Grew up, grew up uh, in Valparaiso, just outside of Chicago. Uh, came down to Bloomington uh, for school, my undergrad. Absolutely loved it. Uh, still my favorite Indiana destination. Um, after school, uh, you know, I did finance and accounting. I went up to Chicago working big four public accounting, uh, mostly in uh, real estate development, um, uh, development serving um, underserved areas, low income housing, uh, development in uh, underserved communities as well as eventually getting into financing solar farms, wind farms. And so that's when I started to see how finance and accounting can be used for good in a proactive way instead of just a record keeping way. Um, Smart. Yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> you know, my, my father was and is still a small business owner, so I always had that um, mindset, right, of, of working hard, uh, working for your employees and for your customers, not necessarily just for a boss or just for um, a paycheck, looking, working for something a little bit bigger than that, um, which helps to when you're scaling something, when you put in the nights and weekends. Um, and I would say my team, our team is similar mindset, right? So our co-founder, Mark Jensen, he is from Fort Wayne, son of a small business owner himself. After IU, he went to New York um, to work on Wall Street for 11 years. We both came back here uh, for similar reasons. So my daughter was one and a half when we moved back to Indiana. Um, and uh, looking to start a business, we wanted to do it here in Indiana where our roots were, where there's high amount of talent, uh, both in the tech space, but also just in business space. Um, and it's a business friendly uh, environment as well. So been down back down here for about uh, nine years and uh, have been loving being back home. Well, I think I missed the most important job you have, Kurt, because we sort of talked about your your background on the open is dad. And so uh, so glad glad to hear that. Uh, glad to hear family is a big piece of your life. I, I, we're going to dig more into Land Betterment because this story is fascinating. But I think to maybe set the table here a little bit, you've been a pioneer in sustainability. You've early work in solar farms, early work in sort of renewable energy. Now sustainability has become sort of the common language of business. Now, it's always been a piece of agriculture, but 
business at large, sustainability has been a big piece. We were talking before, you know, BlackRock, these guys have nine and a half trillion dollars under management. And they've said unabashedly, sustainability, ESG broadly, but sustainability is going to be a key piece of every investment they look at. How are you and the team at Land Betterment really making sustainability actionable? Yeah, so it has to be woven within everything you do, right? And so when you're looking at uh, ag, for, for instance, you can have the most high-tech efficient um, greenhouse that you could build, right? Water capture, solar. Um, but if you're trucking your produce from, let's say, southern border of the United States all the way to Michigan to sell your product, that's not a sustainable supply chain. So you really have to look at all those pieces of inputs and outputs together. Um, I would like to say I want to hit on the importance of governance as well in the in ESG. Um, too often we just focus on the environmental output or the sustainability and natures of business, but weaving your governance into those two components uh, really adds teeth to any sort of uh, commitments. Um, we, we take it very seriously. We, as a private company, we have a fully independent board, um, which is a rare, uh, a rare thing, but we want to make sure that we're held a very high standard. Um, our board is very dynamic. They're actually all comprised of, of entrepreneurs themselves and business owners, which I think is very important. Um, uh, one's, uh, one's in solar development in Kentucky doing great things um on doing solar farms on former coal mines uh another is a, a, a financial uh, advisor who who left wall street because he didn't like the way that uh they treat their customers so he came back to columbus ohio because he wanted the flexibility of, of going and seeing his customers face to face if they're going to trust him with with their money um we have uh two great uh food entrepreneurs um uh, Jennifer Crandall and Kim Bryden, um, both making great headways, both in food safety, um, as well as opening up supply chains for other food entrepreneurs. So too often, if you have a, a small, small garden, small farm, you don't have access to the supply chain that the big guys do. And so you're really not playing on an even uh, playing field. So we really wanted to weave that governance um throughout our sustainability message um, because it's not, it's not greenwashing. It's uh, it's just a way to do business. And that's how we view it. I love that Kirk. And let's dig into that. Let's dig into how you do business at land betterment. You're a B Corp. You're transforming coal mines into ag land. Walk us through what is land betterment? What are you doing? Yeah. So land betterment is really evolving to a platform to develop sustainable business pillars. Um, where they're needed. And so you asked about sustainability. How do we choose what we're going to do on a former coal mine or a former industrial property? Well, it takes a unique solution for unique sites and you can't force a solution into a, a situation that doesn't work, right? So um, <clears throat> Appalachia has a, a terrible uh, uh, tire issue where there's no place to put old mining tires, right? Hmm. It's an environmental hazard. No landfill is willing to take them. Even if landfills do take them, tires are not good for landfills because they don't compact, they never go away. Um, and so we came up with a solution of, of building tire recycling facilities there within those communities 
to turn that those waste tires into uh, rubber mulch for for road repavement. So now we're we're creating a sustainable solution for environmental hazard that these communities are facing while creating new jobs um, that they had no access to before. Fascinating. We're talking with Kirk Taylor. He is president of an organization called Land Betterment. It's a B Corp. Let's dig into B Corp, Kirk. What, what's a B Corp for those that don't know and how does that impact your operation? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, uh, weaving governance throughout what we do. And so we wanted, uh, again, we wanted teeth to our commitment to raising all stakeholders up. And so we searched ways to do that. There's two ways. Um, there's one uh, legal way to do it and one oversight way to do it. So from a legal standpoint in, in Indiana, as well as I think maybe 19 other states, you can actually incorporate as a benefit corporation. We are for profit. We do believe in creating sustainable money making solutions raises the communities up because you can give the, you can pay higher wages and you can return money to investors. Um, but as a benefit corporation, all of our all of our investors understand that our obligation is not just to uh, a shareholder value. It is to all stakeholder value. And it's very important to us um, as fiduciaries and officers of the company for investors to understand that on the front end. Um, and so from a regulatory standpoint, again, we're, we're, we're a for-profit corporation, but a benefit corporation, we do have to provide uh, annual benefit report, outline our achievements and then setting forth goals uh, for the next year. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I think that it's a, it's a great endeavor for companies to look at to make sure that they're following kind of they're putting into their bylaws what they're talking about from a sustainability standpoint. Absolutely agree. And Kirk, I, I love your focus on, hey, we're, we're a for-profit company. We, we make no bones about that. We're a B Corp. We realize we've got a bigger, a bigger remit in this world. But the idea of sustainability, economic sustainability and profitability is really a big piece of the operation. That's really smart. It's really yep. smart. Yep. And, and one, you know, one thing you mentioned on, on, on how do you weave a sustainable, stable business into these communities? And one example um, is in Kentucky, we, we purchased uh, a, a former elementary school um, hmm. that was closed down because the community was suffering because of the closure of a lot of coal mines. Um, and so they were consolidating schools. They went from a, a, you know, a local school to a county school. So there's elementary school was sitting there and it's only like 20 years old. And so we're, we were approached by the city to see what we could do with it. And uh, so we, again, we want to provide a, a real solution, not just a fake one. Um, and so we looked at the, the burgeoning ag tech renaissance in, in the Midwest. And there's a couple of large players doing large scale greenhouses in, in Kentucky. Um, so we looked at their supply chain, right? And so what we're talking about, and so they were, um, they were getting all their seedlings from uh, Canada and Mexico, right? So they're driving all the stuff into Kentucky. So, well, how can we, how can we plug ourselves in to this, to the supply chain? So we purchased a school and we're actually turning it into a, a indoor vertical farm for uh, propagation, which is the first step in greenhouse farming, right? So if you're gonna build a truly sustainable, uh, uh, resilient domestic supply chain in food, you have to start with the initial input. And so 
Um, we're doing that build out uh, right now. Um, we're specking the you know the lighting, the engineering work, uh, and the great thing is that the local technical college there is actually hiring um, a head of an agriculture department to support our work. So we're going to be building new skills within those communities um, to support what we're doing, uh, and then create new you know new jobs uh, on top of that, which which is a great outcome. That's incredible, Kirk. Time for a couple more questions. As you look here in Indiana, so you're you're located here on the north side of Indianapolis. Uh, longtime Indiana guy came back to Indiana. You look at this really budding ag tech ecosystem, ag bioscience ecosystem. What are you most excited about here in Indiana that land betterment and agronovus and this industry at large can come together and solve? Yeah, hundred percent. So we we have a coal mine uh, that we're reclaiming in southern Indiana. Um, and just the options of the existing infrastructure that's already in place on these post-industrial lands, right? So, um, you know, 20,000 foot uh, former warehouse, right? What can we turn it into to be reused in the next, for the next 20 years, right? Can we, can we do a vertical farm there? Can we, can we, you know, partner with Vincennes or with Purdue to find ways for their students to, you know, test new things within these structures. There's no reason to build new all the time when we have existing structures that can be uh, reused. And then when you go back to buy-in from communities that uh, are transitioning, whenever you reuse and build off of skills that are already there, you get so much more buy-in. So instead of coming in, tearing down and saying you need new skills, you say, how can we reuse infrastructure already here? Infrastructure can include uh, generational coal mining skills, right? Because they're super hard working. They, they love troubleshooting. They love working with heavy machinery. Those are all the skills that you need to, to do uh, an ag tech company, right? Um, and so how do you build upon that skill set? Not just throw them away, but build on their history um, and you get a lot, a lot better buy-in, and then the results are, are tremendously more positive. That's so inspiring, Kirk. And I know that there are going to be so many people that hear this podcast that want to reach out to you. So before we wrap up today, I want to make sure we get a way for people to get to you. I'm going to ask you one last question before we wrap up. And it really builds off what you were sharing around entrepreneurs and communities in transition. I saw a quote on your LinkedIn profile. I love this. Simple solutions are the best way to tackle complex problems. It's brilliant. What what advice, what insight would you give to entrepreneurs, maybe around those guardrails of as they think about this transformation, this new innovation? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, I would say look for opportunity wherever there's a challenge, because that's when you have the chance to make a difference, right? If you hear that there is an impediment. Um, there's some sort of legacy way of thinking, this is a chance to put on your entrepreneurial hat and figure out a solution to go around that impediment, to challenge a legacy way of thinking um, and, and, and reach out, right? Reach out to the, to the subject matter experts, uh, people who've done it before, because um, they can always help you along the way. Uh, it's so good, Kirk. Talking with Kirk Taylor, president, of land betterment. Kirk, as, as people hear this, I'm, I'm imagining people saying, oh, there's this place down the street, there's this area, there's this opportunity for my students. How can they get in touch with you? 
Yeah, landbetterment.com. Um, and we're very happy to field all types of problem areas, challenging areas. We may not be the ultimate ones doing the work, but we're very happy to empower others to give them the tools to do that work because we feel uh, it takes a lot more people than just us to, to tackle the challenges that are ahead of us. Incredible. Really great discussion, Kirk. We could talk all day. We need to wrap up. Please uh, thank you, Kirk, for uh, spending some time with us. Kirk Taylor, president of Land Betterment. We are in a great place to reimagine, to continue to innovate here in Indiana across the ag bioscience economy. It's a $52 billion economy here in our state. And ag tech is the fastest growing category of this economy. Kirk, thanks to you, thanks to leaders all across the state, Indiana can be the epicenter of that innovation. And as always, you can find more information about what's happening across Indiana's ag bioscience economy online at agronovasindiana.com. That's agronovasindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agronovas team, I'm Mitch Frazier. We look forward to seeing you again real soon. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Gary Dick and produced by Kayla Chittister and Joe Ullery. More people get Indiana business news from Inside Indiana Business than any other source.